We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Dove Valley Deep Divers, as always on a Friday night. What is a little different, though, is the faces that you might see. I haven't been on this show in a very long time. I'm your co-host, Scott Kennedy. Uh, You might know me from Broncos for Breakfast. Among other things, I'm sitting in for Lance tonight. And over here on this side is Eric Trickle, who has been on a little bit of a trip. So welcome back, Eric. It is good to see you. And thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah, I mean, thanks for joining me. I mean, the last, counting this week, the last three shows of Dove Valley Divers has been a mess. Two weeks ago, we had technical issues. Chad had to fill in. Last week, I was I was out of state. I was actually, you know, at a Mexican restaurant having some drinks. And so Chad filled in for that, and now you. But uh, it's good to have you on, and it's good to be back. It was a nice vacation, nice step away. But, you know, it's good to be back and back on the show. It's a good time to do that after the NFL draft. I'm sure that was not an accident on your timing. Now, I have a question. Did you get sick after the draft? No, I got – I actually, I did. I got a little bit of a, a sinus cold, <laughs> a little bit of – It happens every time. If you were an accountant, you'd be sick on April 17th. Yeah. It was whenever you go, 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 like your body says, okay, you're done now. Now you're going to rest. I'm going to make you rest. You're going to get sick. So it doesn't surprise me as, as much time as you put in with the NFL draft that you uh, that you may have had a little something going on as well. But welcome in. Welcome in everybody else who has come in and joined us in the chat today. And I want to remind you, uh, it helps bring in more people on a Friday night. If you hit like and share and send it to email the link to a friend, we'd love to have more Broncos fans in here. And we actually have lots of news to go over, Eric, with OTAs going on, some media availability, some quotes from Sean Payton. Oh, my God. (laughs) But for me, the biggest story of the entire week is that running back showing up and doing some drills, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I've always questioned when will we get him back. It's always seemed like middle of the season. I'm still not 100% sure he's there for the beginning of the season. But I think we could definitely roll out that he'll miss the majority of the season. About week three, week four, I mean, getting him back, doing some drills now, it's a really positive sign for his progress with his rehab. I, I agree 100% because we're still May. It's still May, June, July, August. 
part of September. You're basically three and a half months away from going. And and Javante Williams is already out there doing light football activities. He's got a knee brace. So what? Uh, I expect him to play in a knee brace for the rest of this season, maybe the rest of his career, to be honest with you. No big deal. Offensive linemen, <clears throat> they they all wear knee braces when they're out there. Um, he's a power back, you know, so it, it doesn't bother me. But having him out there, what a boost to this team. And what an example that he has set by, I mean, it's it's a medical marvel that he's able to be out there. I, I've said a zillion times, Eric, people say, oh, ACLs are, you know, fairly, mild. no, 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 no. A full, and I mean full-on recovery from eight, from a, an ACL, if you get there, is 18 months. Yeah. It's it's a year and a half. Yes, you can get out there and do some things within six to nine months, but it's not the same. He could be out there full speed again in 10 months. You know, it's 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 really absolutely incredible, Eric. And for me, that's the biggest story. We keep talking about running backs. Who else could they bring in? How about how about Pookie Williams? Yeah. And one thing, too, with how remarkable his recovery is, it wasn't just the ACL. If I remember right, he tore or partially tore two other ligaments in right. his knee. And that it was it's just such a dangerous injury for running backs because of the length of it. I mean, they were, you know, former NFL team doctors and everything that were saying this is close to a two year recovery right. for this. And here he is. He's back. When he does get out there on the field, I'm still not expecting, you know, the Javante Williams of the last couple of years before he got hurt. But hopefully we see the positive signs staying forward that he's able to stay out there on the field and still do well. Speed wasn't a big aspect to his game, as you touched on. He's more of a power back, so you're not risking losing that speed a little bit. So it's just a positive sign, and it's so good for the morale of this team after the year they had and all the injuries that they had, seeing the worst one of the bunch um, come back in May and start getting back on the football field. Yeah, and I, I when I mentioned the the ACL in eighteen months, that was a prelude to the point that you just made for me because I forgot was it wasn't just an ACL; it was ACL and then some, yeah. and it, it might still be a two year for a full full recovery. Like I said, in eighteen months, you can get out there and do football activities and play within nine nine months or so, but you're not your previous best for a good year and a half. It takes some time. We've seen it a zillion times. Uh, you know, most recently, I would say Cortland Sutton uh, is, is the most recent. Yeah, he was back in the next year, but was he was he back back, you know, or is he back <laughs> is, is the next question. Has he fully recovered? Is he still fully recovered? I think he is physically. I just think that some of the uh, some of the other stuff was going on last year. I'm not I am not judging anybody based on last year, uh, except maybe Nathaniel Hackett. Um <laughs> Want to say hello to some folks in the chat now that we've opened up just a little bit and, and the uh, the algorithms have started and the alerts have started to reach everybody. Our numbers are climbing. I want to say hello to Dylan Von Arks. I don't get to do this enough because I'm usually behind the scenes and, and Dylan's working in the mornings when I'm when I'm on. So I want to say thank you to everything that you do for this to help moderate the chat and keep everybody, you know, somewhat in line dylan he says sup broncos country make sure you hit that like button on the way in share on all platforms and subscribe if you haven't already we broke nineteen thousand subscribers on youtube eric uh last week so that's a big number i can't wait to tell everybody hey we'll have to do something i'll talk chad into it it won't be that hard i won't twist his arm or anything we'll do some sort of something when we hit twenty thousand. it won't be that far away david McElrath coming in 
also known as the Papa Berry, says, good evening, Broncos country. Lance, well, it's not Lance today. Eric, <laughs> that's this guy. Dylan's here, and Deacon Scott, that's me. Um, MHH for life. Buckham times three, and Denver Broncos for life. Thank you for the support, David. Help keep the light on. And, you know, after a long day, my forehead gets extra shiny under these lights. So keeping my forehead good and shiny. Um, Kevin says, what's up, Eric and Lance? Big mile high salute. It's not Lance today, but that's okay. I He's... <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not better looking. You know, I, that's what I'll go ahead and apologize for. Uh, big Earn in here. Hello, Eric and Scott. Go Broncos country only. We we may talk some other teams, but it might be just because they're Broncos opponents. That That's okay, isn't it? Um, Phil McLaughlin throwing some stars down. It says, even Eric and Deacon Scott. Welcome back, Eric. Hope you had a great vacation. And Michael Rankio says, good evening, Eric and Scott on Dove Dally Deep. Dove Valley. I want to say Dove Dally. Dove Valley Deep Divers, Go Broncos, and Buckham. And I, you predict this one. It wasn't a hard prediction. Wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins has been released by the Arizona Cardinals today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's your reaction to that? What do you think, Eric? I mean, it's not surprising. Everybody kind of expected he was going to be traded or released with a June 1st cut. Just the cost of it with where the Cardinals are at, it just didn't make sense to keep him. And just trading with the contract that he had, it was going to be difficult. So it's no surprise. I don't expect Denver to be in on it. Um, but unfortunately, there's a couple teams in the division that have been linked with DeAndre Hopkins already in both the Chiefs and the Chargers. Yeah, one of the um, I want to look at his career earnings and what his dead cap is for 2022. Um I can't quite – oh, I, I have to go to uh, to the Cardinals page to see what it is because we had talked about compensation being a big deal for him. But if they have – if he's been cut, you don't necessarily have to worry about that as much because he's already been compensated. Yep. He's already been paid for this year. So he's got a $22 million cap, dead cap hit. Oy. So 
when you talk about what it might cost financially to bring in DeAndre Hopkins, well, whatever you pay him, add 22.6 to it. And that's his compensation for this year. So it might not take a ton of money to re-sign this guy <laughs> because he's already gotten paid a ton. You know, if you come in now, help me out here, Eric. I I, I hate being negative on a, on a Bronco show as, as kind of an outsider. I just feel like a player of his caliber who is all of a sudden a free agent will be looking, as you mentioned, at a team that has more realistic expectations for for going to a Super Bowl and making a deep run in the playoffs right now than what the Denver Broncos yeah. are, at least early in the season. Now, three games in and they're 3-0 and and he's still out there? Maybe. Hey, I want to jump on that bandwagon. But right now, you're not talking about him as being uh, the Broncos as being big time playoff contenders, Super Bowl contenders. And that's what it takes to get a guy of this caliber after the big money free agents have already been signed. And like he's 30 years old. So ring chasing, that's where he's at this point in his career. We see it a lot. Once, you know, these star players hit a certain age, they go ring chasing. Um, that's why the Chiefs make so much sense. Um, Mike Ronquillo has in the chat the Von Miller with the eye emoji. The Bills make another sense. They're a team that's still looking for another receiver to help out with Stephon Diggs after right. Gabe Davis hasn't really stepped up a whole lot. Broncos, while the expectations are you know high, um, in in a way, it's not Super Bowl high. It's maybe we can push for a playoff spot, but looking more like like nine or ten wins. And after you know spending his time on the Texans and with the Cardinals where neither of them really had Super Bowl expectations, that's got, that's got to be a big part of what he's looking for at this point. Right. And, and what I mean is from the early the early free agency, you, you hit on some free agents in Broncos country, but you paid market value or a little above market value. You're not getting a guy to come in and say, I want to come play there one year and try and win a Super Bowl and then sign my next big contract. He, he still has another big contract in him. You're not going to be able to sign him to that $20 million per for four years, that four-year $80 million contract that he's probably going to get um, because you've already spent that money and you're, you're finished on that. Now you're looking at one-year deals, short-term, et cetera, et cetera. And who are the two teams we just mentioned, Eric, that, that, that makes sense to him? Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Kansas City Chiefs. They have to be one, two, or three in Super Bowl odds right now, along with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And uh, that's another team that I saw a bunch of Eagles people um, after he was released come out and say, Eagles should be in on him because he can fit in well with the receivers they do have. They have those top two guys, but they're they're lacking depth a little bit. And adding somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, who can be that 50-50 ball guy, allowing A.J. Brown to be kind of more of a, the possession yards after the catch receiver and then Devontae Smith, more of the speedster. Like you get a well-rounded top three there in Philadelphia, and that can just make them more of a threat. So they were really pounding the table for it. And Chase Wolner actually came in with another point too. Being run first team, that's going to deter Hopkins. I no doubt in my mind. He's a guy who's still gonna want the ball a little bit um while ring, chasing rings. And the Broncos have made it very clear we are going to be a very um heavily uh heavy run team probably more in like you know like 70 30 run pass percentage that's a lot it is 
I mean, 56 to 44 is heavy. That was like yeah. what the Falcons were last year, and they were one of the top running teams. 60 40. I'll set the over under at 60 40. Yeah, 60 60 40s. Yeah, 70 30 is fun. That's a ton. That's throwing it maybe 20 times, maybe 20 times a game. And you'll probably have a couple games where you only throw it 20, but I think you'll have some in there where you throw it 40 to help yeah. balance those out some. Gary Palmer coming in. Appreciate you, Gary, coming in with a big yellow super chat. Says, good evening, Eric and Scott. Love to Broncos country. That's all, y'all. Go Broncos and buck them with the B. Jesse Hillborn says, afternoon, everyone. Hello to you and Bama X. And uh, you have to help me with the, sp- the, the pronunciation. I would just say Ned, but uh, he says sup, and I want to say hello as <laughs> well. So, but uh, the, the spelling for someone whose name is, you know, Scott, that's uh, that's going to that's gonna throw me off too. So, um. Also, we had another one come in here. Uh, Colby C. Collier comes in with some stars. Thank you for the support, Colby. Says, how's it going, guys? Wonder who you think our kicker is going to be or should be. And Eric, while you were gone, Brandon McManus was cut. Now, and probably Jacob Martin, too. You were probably gone when that move was done. Now, before the season, during the offseason, we put Jacob Martin on that. There's no way he is here on this contract list. That he lasted until May was a little odd to me. McManus was on the watch list. We weren't too sure about whether he'd make it or not. But I don't think anybody's surprised that he's on the not list. Yeah, for me, I mean, it was always, he's going to be the kicker. And that was only because at the time, he was the only kicker they had. And I thought, I really expected them to bring in some kicker either during the draft or just after to help bring competition to it and let them compete. But it makes perfect sense as to why he's out. McManus, I mean, the cost is a big reason why. Mm -hmm. Then there's also the the on-the-field and off-field stuff there. I mean, it's not like super bad stuff. But he picks fights with people on Twitter when they make fun of him for a missed field goal. There's the issues of him throwing fits on the sideline when the head coach won't let him go out there and kick a 70-yard field goal. Like, there's all there's these are issues, too. Then there's the whole thing of, you know, that – Union reps, they they tell people not to show up, the players not to show up to um, voluntary mini camps, and so McManus was doing that, and there's been some rumblings that was an issue for you know the new coach and everything, and leading to you know just a um, the change of the culture in the locker room. I'm not surprised he's gone. As for who the new kicker is going to be, I have no clue. I haven't had a chance to really look at it. Brandon McManus was cut literally when we were flying back into Anchorage. It was when we were going into landing um, that I got the notification for it, and it's just been a busy last couple days. So I haven't had a chance to look at who's still available or anything, so I'm not sure. I know they brought in the one Cowboys kicker who missed all those extra points. Um, I would rather not him, but that's that's all I know on that aspect. It'd be a nice redemption story, but it's a little scary also. You know, I mean, and he'd be on a short leash. You know, what he missed four in a row? And it, did I call him Jason McManus yet? I've written down, Jason <laughs> McManus is the only other McManus I know, and he's a fraternity brother of mine. And I have had to proofread headlines on videos about four times because I just automatically write Jason McManus. So Fish, his nickname was Fish. Fish, how you doing? If you're out there, um, I'm thinking about you because of Brandon McManus. <laughs> Um, the kicker though, Colby, I I don't know either. It's, I know they matter, but they're not high on my list of priorities as far as who's out there, who am I looking at? I just, 
I don't know. We we know they're they're going to bring in a bunch of guys and they're going to try and choose. And the the problem with kickers is you just there's a zillion guys out there that can kick it from fifty plus yards. They're they're a dime a freaking dozen. So you don't know what you got until you put them out there in front of sixty five thousand fans that are screaming for you to miss. And then you've got an idea. So it's 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 really hard to evaluate kickers. You 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 look at the leg. But how do they do it under pressure? And that's really impossible to tell until until they're out there. Um, let me see. We went Colby here. We were talking D-Hop a little bit. And Keith Brugman says, my surprise team for Hopkins would be the Dolphins. They got to run out of money soon, don't they? Yeah, I'm not sure where they're at financially or anything like that. But, I mean, they are a sneaky team for it. You know, they have all that speed there at receiver. But you got to have a little bit more of that or more than just that. Yeah. So that's actually a team, and um, I don't know if they were like actually linked, linked, or just somebody throwing it out there. I can't remember which, but I saw somebody talking about how the Dolphins would make sense for him for that reason. So. String guy comes in. He says, "Hey Scott and Eric, what do you think about this new rule on kickoff returns? And do you agree with Andy Reid's comments about the rule?" Now, I, I, I'm not, I don't know 100 percent what the rule is. I saw someone say it was very similar to what uh, the college is, which you can fair catch it and basically at the five and get the ball on the 20, 25. I, I think that's what it is. Um, if so, or if not, please confirm. Yeah, I'm trying to, I, I did a quick Google search because I remember it, but I couldn't remember the specific, the specifics of it. So it specifies that the fair catch on a free kick must occur behind the team's 25, 25 yard line in order for the ball to be placed at the 25 yard line. Mm-hmm. It's um, change will be for one year only with the league citing player safety as a reason for proposal. The kickoff play for us, this is from Rich McKay, the chairman of NFL's competition committee. The kickoff play for us has been a play that has had a lot of changes for us over the years, all really driven by health and safety. Talk, it recites the concussion rate and how it's supposedly supposed to drop it. Um, but yeah, after a fair catch is made or is awarded as a result of a fair catch interference, the receiving the team has the option of putting the ball in play either a um, fair catch kick from the spot of the catch, um, or unless I lost where I was at here. All right, so here let me let me shorten this up for you. I, I've got some some poison pill questions for this. These are setups for you. So why are they saying that they're they're putting this rule in place? Player safety. Player safety. How is this more safe for the players? So from what they what they cite is that it dropped concussion rate um, from 38 to 31%. Why? <laughs> that I don't know. Because they're not returning kickoffs. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Their idea for player safety is to give the team a better option to not return the kickoffs. Let me, let me put this another way. Their idea for player safety is to not return kickoffs. Let's just get rid of the damn kickoff. Let's just get rid of it. That that's what I think about it. String guy. It is a waste of time. These guys can boot it through the end zone anytime they want to. And if they return it, the players are in danger. Yeah. Let's get rid of the damn kickoffs. That's my idea. That's what I think about it. We're going to put in a rule that helps you stay safe by not returning the kickoffs. Well, then don't kick off. That's what I think, string guy. It, it's, that's kind of, it's, it's 10 minutes a game that you don't need anymore. That's kind of to the point where I'm at is I've 
kickoffs. I mean, they've they've done so many changes to it. They changed it to where you know the blockers can't link up arms. You moved uh, it back to the thirty, but then people were back because you were running farther. Yeah, so they've done a lot of things about it. It's like it's gotten to the point. Just just get rid of it if you're consi- consistently citing player safety for the reason because it's such a dangerous play. Then do away with it because it's not a very exciting play for me. Unless, you know, they manage to find that hole, which happens once every, what, 15 kickoffs or so. Not a high enough rate for it to be exciting. It slows down the pace of the game. Just just get rid of it and just start every team on the 20-yard line, 25-yard line, wherever. String guy, I'm, I'm working my way down the chat. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, but that's what I put out the other day. I'm like, it's it's an outdated concept, the kickoff, the way it is. If it's If you don't care about the players, then so be it. Move it back to the 20 and kick off. If you want to do it for player safety and you're limiting their ability to return it because of their safety, then just don't return it at all. You know, we're it's just get rid of it. So <laughs> that that's what I think on it. Um, and, and they've talked about um, the XFL rule. I, I haven't really I didn't watch any XFL. Um, I think they started like 10 yards apart or something like that. And it was almost a running play. I, I, I don't know, but it's definitely for me, it's definitely just get rid of it. How you start a game. You, f- how, how do you start a game? Or orange color glasses ask, how do you start a game? You win the toss, you set the ball on the 25. Yeah. Simple. The same way you do now, except you go, you get rid of the charade of kicking the ball through the end zone first and, and save that extra two or three minutes. And the thing is, it's not costing anybody any jobs. You know, that that's the point is, you know, you worry about, well, am I eliminating somebody's job? No, I'm not, because that is that's that's one of those. The DH or not to DH, you know, extra bullpen, extra arms, you're not getting rid of to uh, you're not getting ready. You're not getting rid of somebody's jobs. Not exciting. Not anymore. The start of the Super Bowl doesn't start with a kickoff and flash balls. You start on the 25. Boo. Um I think the flash bulbs would still start on the first snap. So I just, uh, <laughs> I just think it's outdated. Just kicking the ball through the end zone yeah. for a ceremonious flash bulb. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm not interested. You know what I am interested though? Some of the comments that Sean Payton has had this week, um, including on Javante Williams. And we all kind of raised our eyebrows when they said, yeah, he, sh- he should be ready for training camp. He doubled down on that. He also said that um, that uh, Jerry Judy was fine, just a thigh bruise, a little contusion. And uh, he also had some interesting comments on Kareem Jackson, Eric. Yeah, I mean, when Kareem Jackson was signed, I was not the happiest of campers just because we've just slowly watched Kareem Jackson decline. But one thing that Sean Payton said is that is a good point is that despite his age, he's still out there on the field. He's consistently out there on the field, and he is somewhat reliable as a player still. He's lost a step. He's not as quick. He's not as quick as rotations, but he's got solid instincts when coming downhill against the run. Um, So he still can be a solid depth guy. And for a team that is lacking depth at safety, it was nice to bring a veteran back in. I expect Simmons and Stearns to be the starters, but Kareem Jackson is a solid, I guess, versatile third option there. Um, when the Broncos, they just didn't have, have that veteran insurance there. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the signing. Um, but the thing is, is we, we are just previously, we'd been screaming about 
the safety depth. Everybody wants to just pencil in Caden Stearns like he's some sure thing, Eric. He's played five games. I mean, he had five starts in two years. He's coming off of an injured season. The sample size for him is tiny. I'm not ready to say that this guy's the answer at safety. Um, so I, I think bringing in somebody, I just don't know if the answer was Kareem Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's not expensive. Real quick, and then I want to throw it back to you on, on the safety position. Uh, Zebulon says, Devin Hester never would have made it in the NFL without kickoffs. Devin Hester had 14 punt returns for touchdowns in his career. He had five kickoff returns for touchdowns. They still punt. They still have returns and still be a fifth receiver. Devin Hester would have made it in the NFL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and with Caden Stearns, this is a point that I made. I've made often, even throughout the draft season. Whenever I'd say you talk about safety being a sneaky need for the team, Caden Stearns has played less than 600 snaps over two seasons. He's played less than Damari Mathis in a Denver Broncos uniform. Yep. That's and this is this, this is a guy you have penciled in to be the starter. And while he had his flashes, I think everybody goes back to um, I can't remember which game specifically in his rookie season where he had a couple huge plays. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, remember what one it was. Um, it was later in the season. It was, uh, but he had a couple big plays against it, came downhill, blew up a couple runs, blew up a screen, but he was very inconsistent. And even this last year, he was inconsistent, especially triggering downhill against the run, hitting the wrong lanes, leaving a uh, lane open. It's just such, it was such an issue for me to even if he didn't get hurt, to be confident in him being a starter without more competition. And then you add in the hip injury, like a hip injury that at first they were expecting him back after four or five games and ended up causing him to miss the rest of the season. So that's also a big, a uh, big issue for me. How quickly do you think we could see JL Skinner on the field? Um, if I remember right, just after he was drafted, it came out that he's expected to be ready near the start of the season, mm -hmm. if not before it. Um, I, I think we could see him pretty quickly, especially if Caden Stearns doesn't take a huge step forward. I think they, I think they want to get him out there on the field early from things I've heard. They had a, before the injury they had, or without the injury, they would have had him, you know, considered him much earlier than they took him. Injury helped him fall. So I think they I think they have a clear role what they want to do with him and they want to get him out there on the field pretty as quickly as they can. I yeah, I think he could be a real asset in run coverage early on. Um, you know, he's he's just an interesting athlete. His first step, he covers so much ground in his first two steps. He's got those long strides that you're gonna walk him up um almost as an outside, an old-fashioned outside linebacker at times. Cover the slot. And oh yeah, I'm there for the run too. I, I think he's a very intriguing player. Um, someone else who caught made some headlines this week, Eric, just uh, you know, one of the media availability guys who really impressed a lot of Broncos country was Mike McGlinchey. Uh, Mike, very well spoken. And I like him because in a day of everybody trying to make up new names to sound all fancy about what the game of football is, he says this game's pretty simple. Job one A is is uh 
establish a running game. Job 1B is keep the defensive lineman off of the quarterback. Wide zone this, stretch that. It's all pretty simple. The 11 guys are still playing the same game. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love this guy already. So uh, very interesting. Yeah, one thing that I always liked about Mike McGlinchey was that he just was always, whenever he would speak to the media, he was always just very obvious and or and blunt and speaking, you know, just honestly to uh, uh, about with his with his answers and everything like that. And just, I mean, it's very obvious. I mean, the job, especially in this, uh, one of the quotes that I saw too was he was talking about how easy it is to pick up Sean Payton's scheme because it's just very basic old school stuff. And just he builds comp he builds more complications or uh, complexity off of that, and so it's very easy to pick up. Mike McGlinchey was one that I was. I don't want to say I hated the signing. Mm-hmm. I had my reservations about it, but he's quickly winning me over. Um, biggest thing for me still is keeping him out there on the field because he's got a pretty scary injury history. But listening to him talk, catching up on some of the quotes that he's had, like. He's a guy that's good for this offensive line and the locker room because he's just so level-headed. I have a question for you. I didn't I didn't prep you on this one. Russell Wilson said that Mike McGlinchey has a presence. He's six foot eight and three hundred something pounds. I mean, he's he's a yes, he has a presence. So the get off the bus team. Pick two guys who would you would pick to get off the bus first for the Denver Broncos. Oh, uh, Mike McGlinchey would definitely be Mike one McGlinchey's of them. Mike McGlinchey's one of them, yeah. Um, and part of me wants to go Quinn Miners, as long as he has his shirt up a little bit with the belly out. <laughs> like, as long as that that's there. Um, DJ Jones or Mike Purcell, for me, would also be up there. Um, Mike Purcell can have a little bit of that intimidating presence as well. You know who I went with? Randy Gregory. That's a good you, one. I mean, like some of the most intimidating people on the planet are NBA power forwards. Yeah. You know, they, they're not like, if you see NBA players in person, they're, they're, they're kind of strange looking. I mean, you know, six, eight, 190 pounds, you know, six, nine, 175. you know, that's, that's a little strange, but you know, you go six, eight, 225, 230, like these power, you know, and then you've got some really gigantic men I know, but on average, they're scary looking Randy Gregory, six, six. 250 pounds. Yeah. You get Randy Gregory and uh and Mike McGlinchey getting off the bus first. That might be where that might be where I was going. But Purcell's a good <laughs> shout too. Purcell's a good shout too. But yeah, McGlinchey does have a presence. Um, that's for sure. Here's a good question from Harold Jean coming in. He says, Would anybody be mad if we cut if June 1st we cut Cortland Sutton and then sign DeAndre to a two-year deal? I think at this point, I, I first of all, I think at this point, Cortland Sutton's going to be on the roster at least until the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to post June first, cut him. I think they probably would have by now. Um, but if Denver did do that, I, I think I would be a little bit upset um, because DeAndre Hopkins, as talented as he is, I remember watching some Arizona games this last year. And even texting games before he was traded and over the years, and watching DeAndre Hopkins just stand there as a blocker and not really do a whole lot. <laughs> like at least Cortland Sutton would try most of the time. So I'd be a little bit upset. I mean, you're going to be a run-heavy team. Like keep the guy who at least gives an effort 75% of the time compared to the high-profile 
somewhat prima donna wide receiver that gives an effort only like only like 10% of the time. And for me, this question was more about Cortland Sutton and DeAndre Hopkins. You know, is there you, you mentioned the trade deadline as a as a factor? And, and just for me, just looking at the contract, the way it stands, man, it just does not make sense to it's it's like taking your 401k out early. You know, you're, you're going to get penalized if you just wait one more year, play with Cortland Sutton this year. And the financial benefits of if you were to make a change next year, mm-hmm. they're exponentially better. I mean, does he if, if he has to be gone, I've said this for five months now. If you move Cortland Sutton, it's not a football decision. It's not a talent based decision. It means something is up with Cortland Sutton. Sean Payton, the locker room, he's asked to be traded. There's something more going on than the talent he brings to the field because financially it just doesn't make sense to move him this year. Yeah, and that's something that with Cortland Sutton that I've highlighted a lot. For me, it's always been keep him until next year, try to build up his value this year because they had teams interested in trading for him for a pair of day three picks. And that was it. So try to build his value back up. You know, maybe you can have more stability on offense and, you know, get him, see him hit, you know, that 1K yard mark and just build that value up and look at trading him then. And if you can't, it makes a lot more sense financially to cut him. It was the same thing I said with Justin Simmons, with Garrett Bowles, when all those rumors were going about. It just didn't make sense to make a whole lot of changes to the roster this year with these guys because of how their contracts are set up. Colton Sutton, again, let him try to build up um, value again. Look at moving him on, moving on from him next March, April, May. All right. You said, you know, a couple of second round, you know, a couple of day three picks or something. All right. And, and part of that is the is the financials that you're you would be saddled with as well. So you're hoping I can get out from under his contract because he, he doesn't have a lot of his money tied up in a bonus. A lot of it is is base salary, which means he's more flexible to move on from. So for 2019, that's four years ago already. He's coming off his second year. He's still only 27 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He's 27. Tw- and in 2019, 24 years old, coming off a 1,000 yards, six touchdown Pro Bowl season in his second year. What could you have gotten for Cortland Sutton then? I think that the I think with the right team, you know, a team that's right on that cusp of competing for a Super Bowl or even like um, conference championship, just right on that cusp, I think he probably could have gotten a third and another day three pick. I just, man, I don't see it. You see what these guys are going for, you know, to get a, to get a 24 year old player coming off a pro bowl season, 1100 yards. And I I see what it's costing to get receivers. Now I'm thinking at least a first round pick. And I just don't think he's fallen that far since then for him to be worth a six and a seventh now. But if you say a third and a, sixth then maybe it makes more sense i just a cost-controlled rookie that's part of it too you know he'd still be on a rookie contract but the receivers have gotten so expensive financially that people are really going out of their way to draft them a little bit higher than you might think and if you are if you can move on from them and get something before you you have a second round what did what did the what did the Chiefs get for Tyreek Hill? I know he wasn't Tyreek Hill, but it was a haul. What did AJ Brown go for at the same time? Like a third? Um, he didn't go that high. He didn't go that high to the Eagles. But what did Tyreek go for? How about Devontae Adams? Here. Um, AJ Brown was a first round pick. 
Um, the Eagles give a first round pick to the Titans. Um, let's see. Trying to find for Tyreek Hill now. Tyreek Hill was a first. I bet it was one of those San Francisco 49ers first. Uh, 2022 first round pick, second round pick, two fourth round picks, and a 2023 sixth round pick. I mean, I know that's, you know, Cortland Sutton's not Tyreek Hill, but we're, we're talking about a second year player who went to the Pro Bowl with 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. That's a, that's a prime asset. I just, I just got to believe it would have, he would have been worth at least a first rounder. And I just don't think he's fallen off that far. As you said, give him a chance, give Cortland Sutton a chance to build him back up with some competent offensive play. Where Russ last year was, I don't know if it's OCD or what, but it's like, I'm going to start the season. And I'm only going to throw it to Cortland Sutton. Well, you forgot to throw some to the backs or you only threw it to the backs in the first game. Okay, well, we're only going to throw the ball downfield. <laughs> Last four games, I'm just going to get it to Jerry Judy. You know, it's you've got to have more balance all hmm. across the line, and that's the one thing I'm expecting more from Sean Payton in this offense. It's just the only way I can put it, Eric, is competency. Just competency. Yeah. And it should make everybody more valuable at the end of this year. Yeah, and I mean – one of the big things that I issues that I had with, and you and I talked about this a lot with Nathaniel Hackett and how much influence Russ had over the offense. Nathaniel Hackett never said no. Well, we don't have that issue with Sean Payton. So <laughs> it's, we got to see him, as you said, we got to see him play with more balance, like breaking down the games last year. It was so frustrating watching him just consistently go to one or two receivers or um, targets every game more often than anybody else and not really spread the ball around because with Sean Payton's offense for it to really work, you got to spread the ball around a little bit. Um, they had that issue with Michael Thomas in new Orleans. Like they became easy to stop because you knew he was going to get the ball, but he was just so ridiculously talented. It didn't really matter a whole lot, but they always struggled to find that second guy. So Sutton, Judy, Tim Patrick coming back, you have the receivers to really spread it out. You have talent at tight end. You have talent at running back. There's no excuse for Russell Wilson not to spread it out, which should help Sutton build up his value. And last thing on Sutton, too, is one of the reasons why they didn't trade him, why those day three picks weren't good enough, is from what I understand, they were looking for a second round value, um, which could be, you know, like a third round pick and a fourth round pick mm -hmm. or however, but they, they wanted that second round value just as they wanted that first round value for Jerry Judy and then more on top of it. Yeah, and... um. Let me see who asked the question. Oh, it's Peter. Hello, Peter. I'm not sure what time it is, but he says a Pro Bowl wide receiver for a late round question mark. I don't see the point unless there's a locker room issue with other wide receivers getting into the prime. It's it's not just that. It's the it's the contract and freeing up cap space in order to address other areas on your team. But that's my biggest point, Peter. Is you don't get the big benefit from his contract until next year. Next year is when it really becomes all right. Well, we'd almost be better off without this guy, whether we got anything back or not, based on the financial flexibility that we would then get in return. Um, there was also, oh, Keith Brugman asked a question. You're going to know the answer to this one for me. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll have to say who's the second one. Who's the most expendable starter on this roster this year now that McManus is gone, if not Sutton? So I like I liked the, the war, uh, the wins against replacement stat in, in baseball. Which just means how many, how, what's this guy worth compared to an average player that I put in this place? So that's how I think about it. Who, who would have the worst war? 
on this team because that person then becomes the most expendable taking money out of the equation um i mean for me it's probably lloyd cushionberry yeah, see that's the easy one I, for me it's that's the easy so one. easy to say cushionberry i think he's a negative war that yeah. an average replacement would in, would make the team better so another one that i'd probably go with is actually a guy they just signed riley dixon everybody everybody really picked on corliss whitman last year super inconsistent Riley Dixon was right there with Corliss Whitman in all the advanced stats for punters last year. They were almost like, here's 16, here's 17. And if whichever one was on top, you look at a different one, they were just flipped. So Dixon might be a, a little bit more consistent because Whitman, I mean, he had some of those huge boomers and Dixon doesn't really, didn't really have those. But it's still just, you want a little bit more from a punter, especially coming from an offense that struggled so much to move the ball. You got to have a guy who can flip the field a little bit. So Riley Dixon for me is one. I didn't like the move when they signed him and I continued to hound for bringing in another punter for competition for him. I'm, I'm going to lead you into this one. I love this question, Keith. I'm going to lead you into this one based on how I described it with the war, with the negative war. And then let's throw in the financial if you become a liability instead of an asset because of your contract, you're expendable. Mm -hmm. What player on offense last year had the big number and the negative war? Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson <laughs> is the answer to that question, Keith. Yeah. It becomes Russell Wilson. Now, he becomes a little more expendable. The problem is, is he's not quite expendable yet because his dead cap hit would then become a detriment to your team. Yeah. Uh, if you, but after this year, it becomes a little more easy to work with, especially when you have to make a decision whether you want to pony up $40 million. That's what's so interesting, Eric, is come beginning of March next year, you have to make a two-year decision on Russell Wilson. Yeah. I know where I'm leaning right now. Let's ask that same question on the defensive side of the ball. Negative war, high dollars, dead cap kind of goes away next year. Justin Simmons. I think Justin Simmons is a good player, though. I think he's got a positive I think, war. I think he's good. Um, it's just over the years, I mean, he's, he's another one that you see this big splash plays and those always tend to overlook the really negative plays that he has. Um, another one that I would look at too is Randy Gregory, just because he can't mine. stay out there on the field. That was mine. It, it had to be. It was Randy Gregory because he doesn't get a, a, a wins at all because he's not out there. So if yeah. he's not out there, then I guess that would be kind of cheating because then do you really even still consider him a starter? So, you know, in the first 22 on week one, if everybody's healthy, if he is a starter, then he's you don't want you want him on the field. So that that is cheating a little bit. But that's who I was thinking. Eric was of the guys that that should be in the first twenty-two. Who's like the least likely to be here? Who becomes expendable in the next year? So that was one of one of my answers was Randy Gregory. Uh, Phil asks and appreciate the stars. Phil, if Cortland Sutton plays like his Pro Bowl year under Peyton's offense, would you still get rid of him? Um, for me, the answer is a no. Everybody's for sale. Everybody has a price. Thank you, million, million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Everybody's got a price. Um, but I'm not shopping him. 
I'm not actively shopping him out there. I would, um, and his contract's not terrible. I, I think he was like 20th in, in average pay last year. Not, not too bad. Um, you know, and he, I, I think he's got the ability to outplay what he is being compensated. If you do that, you hang on to the man. Um, he'd still be just 28 years old. Prime for a receiver should be 28 to 32. So I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, of course it, it, it depends on a lot of other things too. Um, cause part of it is what does happen with Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson's not to that point where you're going to make that two year additional investment into him, then maybe I'd be a little bit more open to moving Sutton. Um, so just the opposite, Eric. If I need to come up with some cap space in order to eat that giant dead cap number on Russell Wilson, where can I find it next year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense too. And it's like, it's also Garrett Bowles plays a factor in it. Mm -hmm. It basically comes to is like, are you at that point where you're going to try to tear things down and rebuild it? Because at that point, it's a question of how much of an impact is Cortland Sutton. What does Tim Patrick do when he's coming back? Does Jerry Judy take that next step? Because you're getting to a point where you have to pay, pay Jerry Judy. Uh, Marvin Mims also plays a factor in it. So there, there's a lot to it. I would lean no to keeping Sutton no matter what. Um, if he is able to play like his Pro Bowl year. Uh, but again, it's like, as you said, Scott, if somebody comes offering a good, you know, pile of draft picks for him, I definitely consider it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the one making the calls and saying, what would you give us for him? Right. Yeah, everybody's got a price. Yeah. You know, the price might be, well, I want three first-round picks. Well, you're out of your mind. Well, he's not for sale. <laughs> um, so everybody's got a price. But, I, again, I think Sutton's financially this year for sure, and then, and then we'll see. You know, it, 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 again, it depends on his contract and Tim Patrick's contract. Yeah. You know, and, and I know Nick has said – Jerry Judy will be on his fifth year option. He's going to get a big acceleration. He'll be an eight figure contract. You're not going to have three eight figure guys, 10 million plus wide receivers next year. One of them's got to go. Who's it going to be? That's something to think of as well. Gary coming in, asked a good question. He says, why is KJ Hamler not being talked about? We brought in Mims and he becomes expendable. I mean, I think that's exactly why. I, I think everybody knows KJ Hamler at this point is expendable. It was talked about a lot about or it's talked about a lot leading up to the draft that kg hamler they're looking for a replacement they're looking for more speed on the offense more reliable speed to stay out there on the field it's well known that kg hamler is expendable depending on obviously how training camp and preseason goes out i'm leaning towards kg hamler being off the roster and one of the articles i'm actually working up is divvying up all the players into three categories based on percentages of how likely they are to make the roster. And I think I have KJ Hamler currently in the lowest tier of it, which is like zero to I think 36% chance to make the roster. Well, we're at 48 minutes. I want to get to this question. We're at 48 minutes. So we're going to be getting out of here pretty quickly. So if you got any last burning desires, uh, make sure you get them in before we leave here in the next few minutes. But Gary, my simple answer to this one, I, I guess it might not be so simple is, uh, expendable means that he was there to begin with, you know, that he, he was being counted on expendable means I had him and I don't need him. He's got 640 yards in three years. 
Dulcich almost had that in half a season last year. Yeah. KJ Hamler has not been a factor for the Denver Broncos since he's been drafted. It's not even expendable is not the word I, I that, that I used to think of that. I just think of he he hasn't he hasn't been out there. He's he's a liability. He's not a he's not surplus to requirements because you can't count on him to be out there at all. Period. So he has contributed almost zero to Denver in three years. That's why he's not being talked about, mm-hmm. Gary. As as harsh as that sounds, that that's why. Um, and I know that sounds harsh. Yeah, I mean, for me, you're not you're not wrong at all, and I completely I agree with it. For me, it's just like the one thing that I try to avoid do, doing is I try to avoid locking on those splash plays. But with KJ Hamler, I always come back to those splash plays because when he's out there on the field and he's used. We see what he can do, but you're exactly right. We get him for three, four, maybe five games a season, and that's it. And this last year, especially with Russell Wilson, there just wasn't a match there. Um, going back to that Colts game, I mean, KJ Hamler, he had the game winner right there, and Russell Wilson doesn't even look his way. And that was just one of many plays. So they don't mesh well, so that just makes KJ Hamler even more, you know, not one of those guys that you can rely on on top of the injuries, on top of everything else. So Michael coming in uh, saying, great show tonight, Eric and Scott on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and buck them. <laughs> Keith says, my burning desire is to know how deep Scott's fandom is in WWF wrestling. I was an Atlanta guy, so I was NWA way back then before the WF started coming up on what they call it. It was Friday night. I forgot what they call it. Uh, and then it was like, oh, these were cool. Back in the day, they never had any decent matches on. Everything was you had to go go to the you had to go to the uh, arenas because that's where they made all their money. They didn't make any of their money in TV. But it goes way back. My my mom would not let me watch wrestling. I had a little TV. I mean, old TVs were like nine inches big, and I used to like turn the sound all the way down. And I'd be watching, you know, Ric Flair and Tony Atlas and Junkyard Dog and the Road Warriors and all those guys. So. Uh, I haven't watched it in years. So it's kind of like NBA for me, Eric. Like up until about 2000, I know all the wrestlers. And after 2000, my life kind of changed a little bit. And so so did the sport. So that was a big wrestling fan. Last time I watched wrestling was like 1999, 1998. And it was when the Undertaker body slammed Big Show. That was the last wrestling match I watched. Um, ever since then, I... Just don't pay attention to it. So I couldn't I can name you a few wrestlers just because I've heard them mentioned on other things, but not a big wrestling guy. Uh, I actually listened to Chris Jericho's band. Um <laughs> he is he's got a rock band called Fozzy, and they're they're good. I, I actually listened to them. So um there's some of the stuff I, I really like, and he was so awesome on the mic. He was freaking hilarious. Made me want to be a wrestler when I was in my 20s. Like, I want to be that guy. He's cool. Um, the good question. Keith asks, he says, oh, it was a good question. So good question from, from Zebulon, I think that was. If, so if Hamler doesn't tear his peck, does Denver even draft Mims? I think yes. Yep. I, I think, in fact, Zebulon, you couldn't even, I couldn't even told you. It's like dead or alive. Crap, I don't know. Did, this, did, they, did he tear his peck before or after the draft? Huh, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> because to me, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Like I said, 640 yards in three seasons. That's not a guy. If he wasn't a second round pick, he'd already be gone. 
he would are if he was a six round pick he would he would already be gone he's gotten the benefit of the doubt because they put a big draft pick on him and those guys get the benefit of the doubt longer than the the undrafted free agents and the six rounders that have to work harder for everything they get he'd already be gone so yes mims is still being drafted yeah, one of the worst kept secrets through January and February was that the Broncos, even before Sean Payton was hired, the Broncos wanted reliable speed at the receiver position. Somebody who can stay out there on the field because KJ Hamler unfortunately couldn't be that. And Orange Color Glasses says that it seemed dumping hard on a guy for getting injured, which doesn't seem right. It, it's I don't want to say it's right or wrong, but it's just the way it is. He's a guy who's been hurt a lot. And unfortunately, it means that we're not seeing him on the field and he's unable to contribute. So I think that no matter what, I think the Broncos are going to draft a receiver who could bring a lot of speed to the offense. Yeah, and we're not we're not you could say I'm dumping on him, but the the cold hard facts are you have to make a business decision and you've got a 53 man roster and a salary cap. And a guy who has 640 yards in 3 years, he he ain't going to make it. Yeah. It's it's it he ain't going to make it. Sorry. Um is Dulcich going to have the most receptions this year if healthy? No, I don't think so. I think most receptions could go to Pirine. I would think that. I, th I mean, Alvin Kamara had 84 straight years. I think for me, just breaking down the top four, I think we're going to have two receivers, a tight end, and a running back in the top four most receptions this year. Um, and pro I'd probably put it wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, tight end. That, that's probably the order I would put it, with Dulcich being that tight end. Yeah, the, the question we got is uh, yesterday or the day before was, does Dulcich lead the tight ends? And I said, yes, but lined up as a wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of his catches will come if he's coming out of the, when he's coming out of the slot. So on that note, uh, I think we are going to get out of here. I uh, appreciate everybody for showing up. Let me see if I can run through some of these banners here. So um this was the dove valley deep divers podcast and make sure you're following the mothership on the mhh pod or at mile high huddle a good place to come get your merch is merch for those buckham shirts also the links are in the descriptions of any show is as mhhmerch.com uh please follow eric and myself that's at eric trickle i can be found at scout kennedy um that's all I've got. I will be back with the guys. Actually, I'm with, with Zach Sunday night. So I'm guest hosting Friday night and Sunday night. So you'll get to see me again. Eric, we'll see you again next Friday. Yep. All right. Any and last words before we get out of here for OTAs? And Lance should be back next Friday as well. So back to us too. Um, but I don't really have any last words tonight. Just hope everybody stays safe, stay safe this weekend and has a wonderful weekend and a, a wonderful, wonderful holiday weekend. Oh, yeah. And remember why we're celebrating. And I will see y'all on Sunday night, 6 o'clock Mountain. Everybody, have a great weekend. And thanks for being with us tonight. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.